Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. How are we doing in ticking off Paul's list of qualities that we need in order to be effective servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the list we're working on in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, having first of all given us a list of nine items of the kinds of hardships and sufferings which he, as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, endured, and by implication indicating that we, if we're serving the Lord, can expect to endure similar hardships, maybe not identical, but similar He mentions imprisonments there, and not very many of God's servants in America go to prison for serving the Lord. That day may come. I I can't deny the possibility, as I see how rapidly things are changing in our land, but so far that's not likely. If a servant of Christ goes to jail in our country, it will usually be because... He broke a law, and what a shame it is when you see someone who has had a ministry, has been a preacher, perhaps pastored a church, perhaps had a television or radio ministry, and they end up in jail because they have been guilty of, usually when they go to jail, it's it's because they've been guilty of financial fraud of one kind or another. Most people in America don't go to jail because of sexual immorality, though that's another grievous problem that some ministers succumb to. Pastors are are told, or, or, or ministerial students, preacher boys, as they were called when I was in school, are usually warned that the two things that will trip up preachers more than anything else are money and women, money and sexual temptation. Those are the things that will trip them up. Well, yeah, that's, that's because preachers are human. Those are the two things that are very prone to trip all kinds of people up. And, of course, there are other things as well. That's not the only two things. Sometimes I've known preachers who got in trouble with alcohol. Interestingly, In some cases, because they push the idea that we have the liberty to use alcohol, and that may be true. In fact, it is true. I I wouldn't say that it's not true. But they have gone 
foolishly overboard with that, like, yippee, and here we go, and forgotten the warnings that the Bible has about that. And I myself have decided that as a personal matter, I'm not going to use it. I'm just going to stay away from alcohol. I have the liberty to use it, but I'm not going to. I have the liberty not to use it. That's the part that some people forget. Oh, I've gotten off on another subject here, but that's the part that some people forget. I've had preachers that wanted to argue with me about alcohol. Why don't you use it? Why don't you partake? Why Why not? You've got this liberty. You, you need to do it. You need to... You need to uh, enjoy what God has created. You need to to uh, avail yourself of this wonderful thing that God has created for his children and has, has uh, given to us for our enjoyment. You've got the liberty to do it, so you've got to do it, brother. I mean, that's the attitude they seem to take sometimes. And I say, wait a minute. If it's a Christian liberty, I've got the same liberty to refrain as you do to partake. And I've chosen to refrain. You've chosen to partake. I've chosen to refrain. So, please, let's just leave it at that. It's a Christian liberty. Each man individually makes a choice. And I don't pressure you to abstain from something that the Bible doesn't require you to abstain from. Though I will issue you the warnings of the dangers that are involved. Because the Bible does. And I have every right to say what the Bible says. But just because we have the liberty doesn't mean we have to exercise it. We have the privilege of making that choice. You've made yours. I've made mine. I'm not going to harangue you about the choice you made unless you cross the boundaries and get drunk. And you shouldn't be haranguing me about the choice I made when I decided to play it safe and not put myself in a position where I'm in danger of getting drunk. Nobody nobody gets drunk who doesn't drink, okay? I'm not saying that everybody who drinks gets drunk. They don't. I know many people who use alcohol moderately and and responsibly and do not get drunk. They only use just a little bit, and that's allowable in my understanding of Scripture. But there are some who go overboard. What was I talking about? I was talking about the things that can trip preachers up, the things that can trip anybody up. But I've gone way past my my uh, time to welcome you to this broadcast, today's broadcast, which is Tuesday, February 14. Just a little reminder, gentlemen, don't forget that this is February 14. I'm sure you know what that is. It's hard to avoid it with all the advertising that's going on around us, but don't neglect to do something special for your sweetheart on this day. But back to what we're talking about, which is the things that can trip anybody up, the things that can trip preachers up in particular. It can be most anything. I I know a sad case of a pastor that I'm well acquainted with. In fact, he preached in my church many years ago who lost his pulpit because of alcohol, not because he, like the other that I described a moment ago, was pushing alcohol as a Christian liberty. He actually preached against it. He took the position that the Bible forbids it, which I think is a wrong interpretation, but that's the position he took and preached hard to his people that they must never partake of alcohol, and he was doing it himself in secret. 
Well, that's often the way it is, isn't it? It's often the way it is, that the things that we know are wrong, and sometimes even tell others are wrong, we can succumb to temptation to do it in secret, whatever it may be. We've all got to watch out for that. Parents have to watch out for that. They tell their children, you must not do this and you ought to do this. Be sure that you are doing it, dear mom and dad. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't tell your kids one thing and you do something else. That, that'll destroy their confidence in you in a hurry, and it very well may destroy their confidence in the Bible. Don't do that. Don't do that. Be honest and sincere all the way through. But please be aware that there are things that are particularly strong temptations to men who are in positions of leadership. There's something about having that leadership position, which I'm not sure what it is exactly. Does it mean that that leadership position causes some women to be especially attracted to you, even though they ought not to be, but they are. I think there's that element sometimes. And does that position of leadership give you the idea that it's okay for you to do something that is forbidden to others? Shame on you for thinking that way. I don't know what it is, but money and women is a thing that trips up an awful lot of preachers. And so we need to be on guard. And that brings us, therefore, to the last in the list of nine things which we need. Let me go through it again. Second Corinthians 6.6, 6, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, and then this one, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. That, of course, is a reference to the Christian's armor. That is spelled out for us in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 17. What is called here the armor of righteousness is literally the weapons. The weapons of righteousness on the right hand and the left. The weapons which righteousness supplies, weapons on the right hand and the left, is the idea of weapons of offense and defense. Thinking of the Christian's armor in Ephesians chapter 6, we have the shield of faith. Most people would have that on the left hand. And the sword of the Spirit, most people would wield that in the right hand, unless they happen to be left-handed, in which it would be the opposite. But either way, you've got an article of defense in one hand and an article of offense, or maybe I should say an instrument of offense, on the other hand. And that's what's being talked about here. The weapons of righteousness on the right hand on the left. It's weapons of defense against Satan's assaults, against lies, deceptions, against temptations, against the... the um, the opposition that is hurled against you by Satan through his emissaries, through, through people that he's using upon the earth. But if you're only using the weapon of defense, you're going to probably be overcome because you need the weapon of offense as well, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. There we go back to that Word of God again, how important that is. And you've got to yield, wield, I should say, that sword of the Spirit which means, again, that you've got to absorb it in your own life. You've got to know it in order to be able to use it. 
And when you know it and use it, it strengthens you and it defeats the enemy. And so you need, on the one hand, the shield of faith to defend against assaults, and on the other hand, the sword of the Spirit to achieve spiritual conquests. And if you aren't on guard, shield of faith, on guard against the temptations of covetousness and being being uh, less than honest in all of your dealings with money, all of your monetary dealings, or wielding the, sh- the shield of faith to ward off sexual temptations as they come your way, or the shield of faith to ward off other temptations like alcohol and so forth that we talked about. If you're not wielding the shield of faith, faith is believing the Word of God, isn't it? That's what faith is by definition. Faith is believing the Word of God and, and I like to add this, acting accordingly. Properly understood, you shouldn't have to add that last phrase. Believing in the biblical sense of that word means putting it into practice. If you're not acting according to what you say you believe, you don't really believe it. A lot of people saying that they believe this, they believe that, they believe the Bible, they believe this truth, they believe that doctrine, but if you're not putting it into practice, you don't really believe it. But you need the shield of faith. The faith to appropriate the truth of God that you say you believe, but let's show it with your life, and the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, to be an offensive weapon to fight back against Satan, against those who are assaulting you. And when you put all of these nine things into your life by the power of God, by the by the work of the Holy Spirit within you, you'll be in a pretty good place to overcome obstacles and to fulfill a fruitful ministry for the Lord Jesus Christ. May God help us to do it. Until tomorrow, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.